Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 236 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am so thrilled that you're here with me today as I talk to Kathleen West, who was an absolute delight. She was one of those people that I just wanted to adopt into my life immediately. We had a great chat and she has this great craft tip on deliberately writing scenes you're not going to use. And I loved it. And I'm trying it actually at the moment. So I know you're going to get a lot out of the interview. Stick around for that. What's going on around here? Well, if you watch on YouTube, you can see that I'm in a completely different space. I am in a co-working space because my office is blown apart. So I apologize if the sound quality isn't quite up to what you're used to. I won't be able to bring my big boom mic and I mean, I could, it would look really weird getting it here on BART. Uh, but for the next few months, I will probably be recording quite a bit in here. I will definitely be teaching in here because it is not comfortable to be at my house when people are inside the house working on it, doing things, painting, and uh, I needed a place to escape. And I just kind of wanted to mention it because this is me taking my job seriously. This is me giving myself a place to work that is quiet, that is mine, um, that is not in the middle of chaos. So it was exciting. This is my very first time being in here. Uh, I took BART. I took the train to get here, which was incredibly nerve-wracking. I did not know my nerves would be so wrecked to be on BART for the first time in more than a year. I am vaccinated, uh, fully vaccinated. To, you know, it's been more than a month. Uh, but still, on the train, you can't get more than six feet away from people. Even, you know, I came over at like two o'clock and not rush hour and still you're right next to people. So that was a little weird and I didn't feel comfortable. Also getting here was a little weird. I just want to say and honor the fact that anytime we do something for the first time, we're doing something for the first time and it's hard and it's nerve wracking, even just walking here, you know, figuring out the path to get to this building. I'm up on the sixth floor. I'm looking at the Oakland Federal Building, the double towers. Um, there's a pale blue sky and light blue clouds. And I'm looking at the, the Skyway walk over. This is uh, downtown Oakland. It's really a place that I love. And I love that this is the view I have right now. Uh, in this co-working space, I can quote unquote rent or borrow private offices whenever I want, which is actually what I'm going to be doing the whole time I'm here because I still don't want to be sitting out in the co-working space. So I'm going to just be grabbing these private offices to be in. Uh, I'm feeling very grateful, very lucky, and also pretty gosh darn sensible for taking myself and my job seriously. Uh, this is what I'm going to be doing when we get to New Zealand after we get out of quarantine. I was super stressed trying to find Airbnbs because we don't know where we're going to be living. We don't know what city we're going to be in. Um, you know, trying to find rentals that had three bedrooms because my wife needs an office, I need an office, and I realized, oh, or we could just do co-working spaces. And that's such a relief. And it's just a business expense. And uh, yeah, honestly, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I'm supposed to be sitting 
on the other side of the desk with my back to the window, but why would I do that? Because what an incredible view. So um, also it's very bright. So you can see me in all the full glory on YouTube. I usually, there is no ring light needed in this office. I must tell you that. Uh, what else is going on? Yeah. Uh, Waylon, our cat who we rehomed is settling in beautifully. He loves the kids. He's getting petted all the time and he's getting a lot of love. So that, uh, does our hearts very, very good. Uh, we needed to hear that. The move itself is coming along. However, um, I will say that we are entering a couple of weeks of the hardest stuff, you know, moving all of the boxes that we have filled out into the pod and then from the pod into organizing it onto the pallet, which will go onto the container ship, which will take our stuff. We're only taking one pallet's worth of goods, unless we take two, because it just seems like not enough space for the boxes that we have. They assure us it's all going to fit on one pallet. Um, the people who are shipping it on the container ship. So we shall see. We can always order another pallet. It's not very expensive. Thank goodness. Uh, so, but that's the kind of thing we're doing. We're doing pretty big and ups- upsetting. I'm using the word upsetting deliberately because it is upsetting the status quo, the normal every day. And I just wanted to mention that yesterday I had a meeting with my masterminds group, and this is a group of writers. Um, we've been meeting probably off and on for a year or so, uh, maybe more. Most of them are urban fantasy writers. All of them? Uh, no, we kind of, we kind of run the gamut, but there are a couple of urban fantasy writers and, and these are all people who have been in the business as long as I have. We all entered around 2009-2010 and they are so important to me. We don't meet that often, maybe once a month, once every two months. But when I sat down yesterday, we do a hot seat, wrote, wrote, you know, just we rotate all the way through all five of us. Everybody gets a turn to talk about what they're struggling with. And what I said I was struggling with was trying to figure out what to write, how to write, working on however many books are in process right now, something like five or six plus re-releases of at least six. I know I had the numbers, I think the last time I was on the podcast, but the numbers are high. How do I focus? How do I get things done? I did finish the Fast Drafter memoir workbook. Um, the German edition will be coming out soon. So things are getting completed because I am choosing to focus on one thing at a time and getting them off of my desk. But what my mastermind group said was, Rachel, for the love of God, why don't you cut yourself some slack and just move? I love that advice. I can't take that advice because I'm Rachel. But I can take a little bit of that advice. I can take it for in the spirit with which it was meant, which means I can understand that I am not going to get as much done as I usually do when I have a home office and I go there in the morning and I leave at night. Everything is up in the air and it's okay if I'm up in the air too. I need to remember to treat myself with gentleness, understand that I'm still and always will be a writer. I could do a little bit less. And this is what I tell my students when they are in the throes of the hard stuff in life. And we're talking the hard stuff. We're talking moving, divorce, loss, death, grief, a pandemic. I'm not being lazy. I'm always worried that I'm being lazy, um, which is something you might identify with in this work-obsessed, productivity-obsessed culture. And I 
freely admit that I am just as obsessed with productivity as the next person, if not more. But we have to remember to give ourselves a break when stuff is hard. And stuff is a little bit hard for me right now. It's good. It's all chosen stuff. So that makes it feel good, better. Uh, But I still have to go gentle. So I just thought I would say that in case you're dealing with some hard stuff or some big life changes, if you're beating yourself up in any way, I want you to knock it off. No beating yourself up. Do a little bit of writing, do what you can, and then pat yourself on the back really hard. Give yourself a California granola hug, like literally put your arms around your shoulders and give yourself a squeeze because you're amazing. You're amazing. And look, you're here. You're thinking about writing. You want to think about writing. Um, I thank you for spending this time with me. It really means a lot to me. And I'm so glad that you're here. I just want to take a second to thank new Patreon members. I don't think I thanked them last week. Helen Conway and Rita Zolos. Thank you so, so, so much. If anyone is ever interested in supporting me over on Patreon, it really makes a huge difference in my life. It allows me to write these essays. And right now I'm writing chapters of the book about moving to New Zealand. You can always look at that at patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, and a new essay will be coming out tomorrow on the day that this podcast goes live. So if you'd like to read about moving to New Zealand, that's the place to do it. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I know you're going to enjoy this interview with Kathleen West. Please keep doing your writing. You're the only I know it sounds like a cliche and it sounds trite, but I really, really mean it. If you don't write your book, no one will write your book and we will lose your book or your books. And we need those. We need those in the world. So um, do you write in friends? Do a little bit. Come find me on the internet and then tell me all about it. I'd love to hear that. And happy writing. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to have on the show today, Kathleen West. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so happy to be here. I am thrilled to talk to you. I'm loving your book. I'm right smack dab in the middle of it, so I'm not sure what's going to happen yet. So it's kind of the sweet spot of being in a book anyway. Let me give you a little introduction. Uh, Kathleen West novels, minor dramas and other catastrophes, and Are We There Yet? have been best book picks by Real Simple, Newsweek, People Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, and the New York Post. A teacher for 20 years before she published her first novel, Kathleen is particularly interested in the topics of motherhood, ambition, competitive parenting, ooh, and that's all its all in this book, uh, and the elusiveness of work-life balance. She's a lifelong Minnesotan and lives in Minneapolis with her family. So welcome. This show is for writers, and we talk about writing, but I would love to know, are you still teaching? Or are you full-time writing now? Well, I was full-time writing last school year, 2019-2020. Um, and this fall, I taught third grade full-time in the fall. So just, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, I really found myself missing teaching during the pandemic, which sounds crazy, but it I really- does. <laughs> I realized that teaching is really a coping mechanism for me. Like if I have to be like the adult in charge in front of a classroom of kids, like that helps me deal with hard realities. So I, I it was a perfect opportunity. The, uh, the woman who replaced me had a baby this fall. So same classroom, same colleagues. I just ah. 
stepped back in for a semester. I felt like I was doing a great thing for myself and for the kids. And then I was back to writing full time in December. Wow. So were you, were you doing on zoom or were you in the classroom at that point? I was in person with them. I had taught half the kids every day. Um, so 10 were with me and then 10 were with my assistant and then we would alternate day by day. Um, and then in November when everything peaked, we were online for between like the week before Thanksgiving and then until winter break. Wow. And it seems like, I mean, you have such a cheerful affect about doing that. It seems like you enjoyed it. I did. You know, I, I really loved my students this year. They were like a a lovely group of kids, um, Mm. really adaptable and flexible. And I love, um, the other third grade teacher that I work with at Uh, at school. So it's really nice to be back with her and to, to kind of engage in that friendship again. Um, and then I also knew I was going to be done. So I love that. Yeah. It it had a timeline on it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So when you now, so now you're back full-time writing, can you tell us a little bit about your process? Um, how do you get work done? Are you a morning writer? Are you a binge writer? What, how does that work for you? Yeah. And when I first started writing seriously, um, not that long ago, like 2015, Mm I, um, I worked really early in the morning before school. So I'd get up at like five o'clock, four 45 when I was working on a project, work until six 15. And that was that, like, that was the time of day that I was um, awake and free to do my stuff. So um, that's what I did. And now that I am more flexible with writing as more of a big, bigger part of my real career, I don't tend to get up that early anymore. I'll, you know, I get up at six or whatever, you know, between. That's when still I- damn early. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't start writing usually until um, everybody's settled. You know, like I might do email or other tasks. Um, and then in terms of like binge writing, et cetera, when I'm in the drafting phase, it's very painful. Like first draft, I can, it's, I can hardly do it. It hurts my body. Me to too. Put the, <laughs> put the words down on the page. So I have to just make very t- small goals, like 200 words and you can have a coffee, 200 more words and you can go on Twitter. If you hit 800, you can walk the dog, you know, like, so just like little chunks. Um, and now like I, I have a book due next week, um, I know, like the convergence of the launch of my new book and the, this due date is really my own fault. It's because of the teaching this fall. And then I didn't finish by March 1st when I said I was going to. So, Oh, that's so difficult though. Yes. Um, but this phase, like the last revision, like I can really disappear into that work for hours and hours. But other than that, I really can't. I don't know. I'm very distractible. I am exactly 100% the same way. And I've never actually asked anybody who has the same similarity as me this question, but why do you think that is? Because I'm exactly the same way. I hate every single, I try not to say this, but it's true. I don't like first drafting. Um, But in revision, I can spend, I can spend easily six, seven hours. And if I'm on deadline and the book is due that week, like it is, I will spend 12 hours and be, I'll be tired, but I'll be okay and happy. Why is that you think? I don't know. I think it's because it's so hard to get to know the characters in the yeah. beginning. You know, like, um, and it takes me a lot of rounds, a lot of chapters that I end up throwing away um, until I even know, like, how they're going to react or what they're going to do or to get them to be consistent. So I think that initial work, that getting to know them is just harder than it is to just, I don't know, be with them at the I end. I think that's a great answer. I think that is exactly what happens. Who is your editor? Carrie Donovan. Oh, um, she works. She's my friend, Juliet Blackwell's editor, and she loves her. Yes, she loves brilliant. Carrie. Yeah. I can't wait to give her this book. I'm a little nervous because I know that she'll have some great idea that I need to implement that will be a lot of work, but <laughs> I know that it will be a great idea. 
Yeah. And as Julie always says, we have to let our editors do their work. They've got to earn their money. They've got to think hard. They've got to yeah. help us. I love yeah. that. So what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Gosh, um, you know, I think it's that that need that I have to write so much to get, like, I think I probably write 250,000 words to get to the final 90,000 words. And maybe that's the same for everyone. No, it isn't. We're, we're anomalous. I usually have about 200 to get to a hundred. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. then I think that that's, that's my biggest challenge, you know, and I, all in each of the three books I've written so far, I've reached a point um, where I've needed to like scrap it and start over. And my agent has been the one to tell me that. Oh, and, that's hard. Yes. And she, it's not really like starting over because I've already gotten to know the characters yeah. and everything. it's still such a painful moment to like drag the chapters to the trash. Um, and I'm, there's always tears. Um, but then she's right. You know, like she's 100% right this time. I'm like, cause my team at Berkeley is like, well, you know, maybe you could have some deleted scenes that you send out. And I'm like, oh, I've got like 40,000 working <laughs> We can go deleted scenes for forever. <laughs> so, yeah. I've never used a deleted scene to do that, and I've always meant to. Um, jumping back to what you said that you just started really writing in 2015, writing hard like this. Yeah. What were you, did you feel like a writer before? Is it something you'd always wanted to do, or is it something you came too late? Yeah, no, I've always wanted to be a writer, and I was really committed as a kid, and I've always been writing. You know, I had a, a blog that still exists. Um, I don't write on it as much anymore, but... Yeah. Um, and I was a writing teacher. I was just really distracted with, you know, I got, I graduated from college. I got married, had my kids, you know, had my full-time job. And then finally I was like, well, if you want to be a novelist, like you better write a novel. So it, it was just like a stage in life where I was, my oldest kid was six. I had the bandwidth to have like a new hobby. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is my new hobby. That's, a, I just want to like, point out the really the profundity of that sentence if you want to be a novelist you better write a novel and there is somebody I know there's at least one person listening to the show going oh dang it I guess I better do that try it I mean that's the other thing is that I'm I had been a pretty strong perfectionist for most of my life I don't think that I am anymore um and in some ways it's hard to like let go of that identity because there's a part of me that thinks like if you're a really hard worker then you must be a perfectionist yeah but um, I'm grateful to be in this place now because I don't think I could have been a professional writer earlier in my life because I wasn't very good at accepting feedback or understanding that it's not perfect the first time. So getting, you know, having my agent say like, you're a brilliant genius, now start your book over. I wouldn't have been able to do that <laughs> before. And I love that you said there are tears involved. There's always, always tears involved. And yes. then we just pick ourselves up and do it again. So what is the biggest joy you have when it comes to writing? Well, I had a great joy today. So I have this woman, ah. Nicole. She's a young adult writer, um, Nicole Kranzer. She's the author of a brilliant book called Unscripted, which is about mm -hmm. that teen improv camp. So, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's really a fun book. But she and I, uh, she's a teacher too, and she was on sabbatical last year. And so I would go, before the pandemic, I would go to her house. She has this studio in her backyard. It's gorgeous. And we would just sit there together, um, talk, then set the timer, write, and then talk again. Um, you know, and just being, yeah. you know, we started reading each other's stuff and, and now we can't do that in person, but we do it on zoom. So I'm usually just with Nicole in the morning on the zoom and we just hit mute and then work for a while. And it's always me that breaks the silence. I'm like, Hey, you still there? 
Um, but this morning I broke the silence to tell her, I'm like, this chapter that I just looked at is really good. I mean, just uh, having that realization, you're like, something in this book, this is really good. Like, I did a good job on this. That's my biggest joy. Both my friends and the other friends that I've met through writing and, like, coming across something that I'm just like, yep, that's good. Check. And you had both of those things today. Yes. So it was a great Oh, that's wonderful. I absolutely love that. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Yes, I will share a craft tip I've been thinking about this week because one of my friends is writing a book in um, multiple points of view for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I have done that for all you're, three. You're yeah. so good at it. Yeah. Well, it's, I really, when I read Leanne Moriarty's The Husband's uh, Secret, yeah. I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. So that was a big motivator for me. Um, but she asked me about doing that. And there was an exercise that I learned in a class that I took from the author Nina LaCour. And I think it really helps for all character, but especially if you need multiple point of view, because you don't have so much time to give a lot of details about each person. Um, and what she suggests is you list five pivotal life events for your character. Ooh. And you might not see them on the, you probably won't see them on the page. You know, like it's like they got divorced in this time or when they were in second grade, this happened. And then write those scenes, even though you're going to throw them away or at least write one or two of them. Mm-hmm. And then I find myself being able to just drop in little nuggets in my multiple points of view chapters because I know all that stuff. Um, I don't really want to do it when I sit down to do it because it feels like a waste because I know for sure it's going to be thrown away, but then I think it pays off later. It absolutely pays off. I've never heard this tip and I think it's absolutely brilliant. And one thing I want to say is that I love books that are in multiple points of view and I often write them. However, there's always that moment where you're starting off the first chapter and it's a slog because you're like, okay, I've got 17 different names now. I've got this mom, this mom, this kid, that kid, the, you know, all of, how am I going to remember this? And you made it seem so easy. I was never confused as to who was what. And then, you know, the mom comes on and like all of this stuff and you do it so well. And it, I, it must be from doing that t- trick or, or part of it. I think so. Or all that time, you know, because you really know them. Yes. And then there's another teacher that gave me another tip that really helps where you um, you kind of string through a certain thing, like a, a repeating image can go from one chapter to the next, which really helps you kind of string along. And I used to do it very obviously, like I'd have yellow in the last sentence of one chapter and then yellow in the beginning of the next chapter. And I don't do it quite that way anymore, but just thinking about something that will, you know, the reader can grab onto and just have a little echo in the next beginning part, I think that helps too. Can you think of an example that you did that that wasn't yellow? I think that's really fascinating too. Well, I just looked at one today where um, two different chapters are counting down, or two different characters are counting down to an event that's 39 days away. So one character is like, it's 39 days away and you get it like in a bar, it's two adults talking. And the next chapter is an eight-year-old and he's counting down in his little Bible 39 days away. So I just love that, things, you know. That also feels very Leanne Moriarty-esque to me. And I just like worship that woman. So, and I can see the similarities in your writing. I really can. Well, that's my favorite compliment. So I'll take it. <laughs> I really, really, really can. So that's, that's awesome. Um, with the, she mentions The Bachelor. I think it's in The Husband's Secret and The Bachelor, the television yeah, show. Yeah. Several characters mentioned having watched The Bachelor. And I think that's where I first got the idea to do that. It's so smart. Thank you. That's two tips. That's two great tips <laughs> for the price of one. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? 
Well, my only other thing that I do is um, running. I love ah. to And it's really a similar um, pursuit in a lot of ways. Um, I really like the book, What I am What I Talk About When I'm Talking About Running by Haruki. Murakami, yeah. And um, I love that book. Yeah, he talks about that too, like the need to pursue something um, and like the attention span it takes and the dedication it takes. And um, a lot of times I'll go on a run and then figure out a bunch of stuff. Um, sometimes I go on a run and, and plan to figure out a bunch of stuff and then there's nothing. But sometimes I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the ending. I got it. You know, so that moving of my body is really important. And I think it impacts the writing. When you are running, are you listening to music or podcasts or quiet? Or are you just letting it all percolate? What, how do you do that? Sometimes I listen to a podcast for the first half or a book. I let, I love to listen to audiobooks, Um, and I'll do that for the first half of the run and then I'll switch to music for the second half. Um, and when I'm listening to music, I can really zone out. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll just go silent, like, um, just this, or maybe yesterday or the day before I was like, no music, just silence, like, you know, get in your head and see what happens. Um, so I, I switch it up. I love that. I, I, I do a similar thing in swimming. Um, and I've just gotten, uh, swim buds so that I can, and I have been thinking about like, what do I want to do with this time? Because if I'm listening to an audiobook or podcast the whole time, then I'm not going to have the writing thoughts that I want. So yeah, that's a good answer. Do half and half. Uh, and what is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it? Oh man, I've read a lot of great books recently. Um, I just read The Chicken Sisters by K.J. Delancomia. Isn't that delight? And she's so delightful too. She's been on the show. And I love her podcast also. Um, and she, the thing I really love about that book is something that I try to do in my books too, or I aspire to, where she has this really fun premise. The book is about a reality TV show. And it is about like this reality TV show and all the pop, pop culture and <clears throat> hype and all the stuff that goes with it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> Um, but then you get this like really emotional sister story right next to it. And it's about childhood trauma and coming out of it. And I was just like amazed by the end, um, that she managed to get those two things in the same book. So that's why I really like that one. I love that. Thank you. Um, and I love that, that, that Reese picked that one for her book club. Such a great, I love when anyone from my genre gets picked. I'm like, yes. Yes. I, I love to write light reads. You know, one of my friends, when I, they first read minor dramas, my first book was like, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but this is totally a book I would read at the beach. I'm like, yeah, I did it on purpose. Like, <laughs> So I love it when those kind of books, which a lot of people like to read when they get the acclaim. Especially, I think right now, I've, I've been writing thrillers for, I've, uh, my last two books have been thrillers, but right now I'm writing a light beach read and it's so enjoyable coming out of 2020. I don't want to do, I'm just not interested in writing a thriller right now. I want to write a thriller next. You should. I need to, but I need to, I don't know how to. I'm like, what okay. am I saying? I'm going to tell you how. This is how, because you and I are already, I can tell, so similar. Um, yeah. You write your normal book and then your agent and your editor tell you, wow, you wrote a light women's fiction novel, now make it a thriller. And and those hundred th- thousand words that I would throw out would be like all the emotional, fun stuff. And then I would rev up the pace of every scene and add more plot points and tighten everything. But I both of the thrillers that I've written, both of them had just been women's fiction at first. So great. And yeah. where do you know how to put the be- dead body in or the kidnapping or whatever? I had work? to shove them in there. Like one in the second, the, the one that comes out in May, I had to literally find a dead body. It just 
because I didn't want one. So right. yeah, but apparently you need one. Every once yeah. One. Yeah. I got to, I, I'm excited to try that. I, I read so many thrillers and mysteries. Um, I, I was having a reading rut this fall and I was really busy at school too. And finally in November, I'm like, you need to snap out of it. Only mysteries and thrillers all the way through the end of the year. <laughs> so, do, you, do you like dark thrillers? Yeah, I like them all. Have you read Girl A yet? No. Should I read that? Yes. Okay, yes. Girl. Go get it. it. It really like shook me up and like made me think, oh, maybe I do want to write a very, very dark thriller. You'll, you'll love it. It's great. Okay. Um, okay. Will you please tell us right now about Are We There Yet and where we can find it and you online? Sure. Are We There Yet is a book about Alice Sullivan, a mom who feels like she's got everything in order. Her kids are getting older. She doesn't have to change diapers. Her career is kind of taking off and she's an architect interior designer. And then she finds out at her daughter's second grade conference that her daughter is woeful be woefully behind in reading. And at the same time, gets a call from the junior high about her son who has engaged in some really unfortunate bullying behavior. And these two stumbling points really impact her relationship in the community and her standing in her peer group. So it's a book about you know forgiveness and secrets and culpability. And, and and it's very real. It's just very, very real. And but real in the in the comfortable way, like I want to spend time way, not with like if these were my friends, I might, you know, oh God. <laughs> it's just it's just so nice to be with them. And your voice is so good and so enjoyable. Thank you for writing it. Where can we find you online? Um, I really like to be online on Twitter and I'm at K West Books on Twitter, and I'm also on Instagram at Kathleen West Writes. Those are probably the best places. And I really like to interact with readers. So feel free to, you know, send me a little, drop me a line. Ah, I love that. Thank yeah. you. It has been such a joy to talk to you. It's so nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. I can't wait let's, to read books and let's stay in touch. Let's keep in touch. I was just going to say that. I do not say this on all the shows, but yes, let's please do that. Yeah, we seem like we would know. So, okay. I agree. Thanks, Kathleen, so much. Okay. Happy writing. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.